Thank you for tuning in. We'll get to your program right after this short word from our sponsor. In your company, a challenge? Are you battling turnover and struggling to draw key talent? Is your team not performing at the level you want? Problems present themselves through conflict, miscommunication, creative differences, unclear expectations, and motivational issues. ARC Integrated is here to address these challenges through executive coaching and customized interactive trainings. Create lasting positive change that will improve your bottom line and create a culture that attracts talent and reduces turnover by going to arcintegrated.com. That's arcintegrated.com. What if investing in each other could change the world? I'm Joel Skeen with bizradio.us, and this is the Mindful Marketplace. Welcome back to the Mindful Marketplace here on Biz Radio US. I am your host, Joel Skeen. I'm very excited to get to dive back in to my conversation with Jeremiah Robinson, who is the entrepreneur in residence for Mountain BizWorks. And he also works with a fantastic organization called Neighborhood Economics. Um, if this is your first time with us, just so you know, on this program, we talk to entrepreneurs, advisors, industry leaders, investors, economic experts, all of whom are not only solving a market problem to make a profit, but they're also solving a social problem to make an impact. And it's where we learn to connect our money and our businesses to our values, our community, and ourselves. This is part two of a conversation that we had with uh, Jeremiah. So if you had not listened to the first part, I highly encourage you to go back and do that. He got to share with us his journey, his story, some of his work with Mountain BizWorks, and how he's really giving back to the entrepreneur community, specifically by working with the CDFI. We talk about what a CDFI is, the role that it plays in the solidarity economy, and how it helps people of not only of color, but people of really of any marginalized group, or including people who just do not have the resources and access to resources to start the business that they have otherwise would be able to. They've got the idea, they've got the um, they've got the, the the work ethic, they've got everything that it takes to start a business, but that are lacking the fundamental either education or capital resources to do so. Um, so I'm excited to get to dive back in here with Jeremiah. Jeremiah, well, welcome back to the show. Really, really excited and glad to have you on here. It's been a long time coming. I feel like we've been talking about having you on for like a year now. So I'm glad we finally were able to make this work. Sure, glad we got a chance to. Yeah, so I want to point to a... Um, I want to point everyone out there to a blog post that you wrote on neighborhood economics, and I want to dig in here with that. But first, could you um, shed a little light on what neighborhood economics is? I know it's an organization we had on Kevin Jones, and he talked a bit about it here. But um, you know, could you kind of zoom out a little bit here for us and tell us about what is neighborhood economics? Yeah, of course. So neighborhood economics really focuses on um, convening local leaders, impact investors, catalytic foundations, and marginalized entrepreneurs, um, as well as people of faith who are really working on, you know, building a just economy. So, and, you know, they're doing it in several different ways, um, but there's a lot of intersections in, in that work. Um, so neighborhood economics, you know, every year we host uh, an annual conference or convening um, to bring all those groups together. Um, to to help connect those dots and to help um, you know make foster opportunities for for collaboration um, amongst all of those um, all of those stakeholders and to to really give them an opportunity to understand where their work intersects with with other folks that they likely may not have intersected with um, if they had not had a chance um, to do so at our at our convenings. Um, 
So really wanting to 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 focus on convening the, the folks that are doing the meaningful work um, to build stronger economies. Yeah. You mentioned, a. it sounds like an interesting mix and key partnerships there. You mentioned, um, I want to make sure I get them all right. You mentioned impact investors. You mentioned um, entrepreneurs. You also mentioned people of, of faith. Could you tell me a little bit about um, kind of that that partnership and, and how that coalition has has developed? Yeah, so across the country, a lot of a lot of faith based institutions are doing you know what's called assets in transition. So really, understanding that you know faith based institutions have a lot of physical assets that can be used for economic development as they should be. Um, so you know, being able to to use a church's kitchen um, to to lease out that space to an organization that provides food services for for marginalized communities, um, being able to to you know use the the office space in a church or, or you know buy, or faith based institution that you know goes unused for six out of seven days of the week um, to to support nonprofit organizations, um, being able to use you know church space to um, support, you know, homelessness or, you know, or, or, or programs that support, you know, folks that um, are, are unhoused. Um, so really helping, you know, those faith-based institutions understand how they can use those assets um, in ways to, to build a, a better economy um, and then connecting them with those impact investors um, and foundations that want to support um, those types of initiatives but don't necessarily um, have that connection to those faith-based institutions that are doing that kind of work because they normally work, you know, with other nonprofits or organizations that are that are focused on those key areas. Uh, whereas, you know, over here the churches are already doing those things. So neighborhood economics tries to connect those dots between those two entities. Yeah, I love that. There is so much common ground um, between groups that oftentimes don't ever end up working together on yep. projects for whatever reason, and I. I love any, you know, I often say that we all need each other and we are each other really at the end of the day. And so I love seeing that kind of collaboration towards those goals. Um, and that leads me to talk about, you know, kind of one of those goals that you you wrote about here. You said that um, you wrote an article here on Neighborhood Economics blog called Catalyzing the Growth of Black-Owned Businesses. And I want to just kind of start with the intro here. You said, Imagine a world where every black entrepreneur doesn't just survive, they thrive. Um, tell me a little bit about, you know, kind of the, give, like I said, let's zoom out a little bit and get a little kind of picture here on black entrepreneurship, on where it's been and, and what, what made you decide to write this article and put your focus here with these conferences on that issue. Yeah, well, you know, just kind of touching on a couple of the, the key points in that article where, you know, I talk about how 95% of, uh, or over 95% of Black-owned businesses are sole proprietorships um, mm -hmm. and how, you know, oftentimes when, you know, a, a Black entrepreneur is looking for capital, you know, we on average only get about $35,000 um, for startup capital, whereas our, our white counterparts get over, you know, $106,000. Um, wow. To start with, so there's you know a, a significant gap um, in terms of the amount of startup capital that Black entrepreneurs are often able to access 
um, in order to start a business, which means that a lot, there's a lot of talent just sitting on the sidelines that goes untapped and unused because of, you know, we don't have collateral because we have, don't have um, the, the correct credit scores, right? Because oftentimes we might take out a, a loan, um, a predatory loan in order to, to try to start a business, which, you know, really mm. um, worsens our credit scores, you know, even more because now we've got, you know, this high interest loan that makes it impossible to pay back. Um, so, you know, I yeah, just feel like, like taking something that's risky already, inherently risky and in starting a business, but then you're adding on this cr- a crazy high interest rate loan on top of it. So you've yep. just put, you just like compounded the whole risk factor for someone who probably doesn't have as much to fall back on if things don't exactly. work out. Exactly. And a lot of times, you know, we, we are in a position where one mistake will cripple the business or end the business completely. Right. So we don't have don't really have an opportunity to make mistakes where somebody that is able to get a larger loan because they have a home that they can put up as collateral. Um, they have wiggle room. Right. To, to be able to make mistakes as, as startup should. Right. Um, but when you're talking you know, thirty five thousand dollars to start up and you're trying to use that to, to cover your personal finances as well as the startup capital needs there's not there's really not any wiggle room there um so it really makes it almost impossible to to grow a business from a sole proprietorship to being able to be uh to have employees right and that's where you know you really start to to see opportunities for scale is when you can get to a place where you're able to hire people to to do you know more of the work that needs to be done um but if we're never able to get to that point, then we will continue to, to be in a space of being solopreneurs. Yeah, you you mentioned kind of one of the, uh, that collateral piece really being, you know, kind of central to to that issue. Could you unpack that a little bit? Yeah. So, you know, the existing wealth and home ownership gap, you know, really further intensifies that that divide of, you know, from where black entrepreneurs only have access to 35,000 in startup capital and you know white entrepreneurs often often have over 100 um and a part of that is because black home ownership rates are you know are around 40 to 45% uh, compared right. to white home ownership rates which are closer to like 70 or 75%. Um so when you don't have you know that kind of collateral um to put up against the loan it it really leads to those diminished loan amounts, highest interest rates higher interest rates or, you know, just being denied completely from being able to access um, loan capital. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I'm, I'm interested into how the, um, the conferences that you're doing at Neighborhood Economics, I know you guys did one last year in Jackson, Mississippi, mm-hmm. uh, and you're doing another one coming up here in the winter in February, is it, in San Antonio? Yeah. End of February. Um, February 26th. Yeah. Because you know, I, I I was having some conversations with uh, specifically. I'm thinking of my the, the episode I did with Angela Barbash, who she owns a um, a investment firm that's helping ordinary folks. So we're not talking about you know big time um, you know wealthy investors. We're just talking about average people who are trying to save for their retirement. Mm-hmm. She helps them move their um, move their money off of Wall Street and start investing into their local community. And there's been some barriers to doing that. She's had to actually fight for some statewide policy changes. Um, and there's yeah. been, you know, it's it's an evolving process. But um, I guess how important is it and what have you seen come out of bringing in the impact investors and then bringing in the entrepreneurs 
And are you guys focusing on a specific area? Like where, like is, is the specific focus on San Antonio when you meet in San Antonio? Um, I just kind of want to understand how that connection happens between the investors who want to invest in local black owned businesses and the people who are starting those businesses and how that, how that collaboration happens. Yeah. So to, to answer your question around, you know, the San Antonio piece. Yeah. So wherever, you know, we host a, a conference, we focus on the issues and, and that local area um, first. So understanding, you know, what kind of initiatives are taking place in San Antonio to support economic development, um, entrepreneurship, you know, just, you know, communities in general, what kind of community development work is, is already taking place here. Um, so in San Antonio, you know, as you might know, the, the, the population is, is like, I think, maybe 65 to 70 percent Latino. So there are a lot of initiatives to support um, redevelopment and, and initiatives in you know, particular areas uh, around San Antonio. Um, so creating those those business corridors in the local communities where, you know, folks can actually see entrepreneurship happening right inside of their communities next to their homes where they live. Um, and not somewhere over there, but it's like right here as as an opportunity to see that development. Um, so, um, so that's what we kind of want to focus on in San Antonio is you know just highlighting those initiatives that are already taking place there, but also understanding that there are initiatives that are taking place that can be replicated, um, mm-hmm. and there are things that are happening there that other folks can look at and go, you know what, that will work in my neighborhood. That'll work, you know, in this city because it's so similar to the area. And there's so much opportunity that's this the same. Let's figure out how we can replicate that model somewhere else. So that's what we want to, to, to focus on and highlight is those opportunities that can really be replicated um, to scale um, and, and to really go in other areas that, that need that kind of development. development. And to see, you know, here's what San Antonio has done that's successful. And to be able to say, all right, here's how we can change that or tweak that a little bit to, in, in our area to make it successful um, as well. Yeah. Is there any particular um, example that you've seen that actually seemed especially duplicatable that wasn't so tied to that place, but that you're like, yeah, this this could work in other places? And uh, I'm curious, like how if there's been examples of that and what's come out of it? Yeah, so there's there's a an initiative called Estar West, E S T A R West, which focuses on economic development specifically on the west side of San Antonio, which I believe has one of the 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 lowest incomes across the country um, in that particular area code or, or zip code. So, so, um, so you know they are really focused on understanding how. Um, creating like co-working, shared co-working spaces within the community. So taking, you know, old rundown businesses or old rundown buildings, converting them into um, entrepreneurial hubs, which also have, you know, living space um, and being able to, you know, just foster and develop entrepreneurship right in, in within the community, surrounded by the people that live in those communities. Um, is is one model so being able to get funding from you know local governments you know private institutions or you know private investors um to really you know help to to foster that growth is is one thing um and then also you know just being able to connect with 
Um, I think it's an organization called the American Indians of Texas who have you know, mm. created a program that really supports, um, you know, urban, um, urban Indians living in the Texas area, uh, working with CDFIs to help, you know, create spaces for them to really be able to grow and, and achieve success through entrepreneurship as well. Yeah. And, and I kind of don't want to take for granted um, why this is important, you know, um, like for a lot of these communities, it seems to me at least that a lot of times when you have communities that are lower income, regardless of their ethnic or race makeup, but like when there are low income communities, a lot of times, like I remember being in Detroit area and always seeing the, the businesses that came into those places and that were successful there were a lot of times businesses that were not actually really good for the community. They were businesses yeah. that were selling things that were made overseas as cheap as possible. They were, you know, dollar stores, you know, these kinds of things where there wasn't really access to quality services, quality goods, and the jobs that they provided were about as low paying as you could get. And yeah. so I guess, why is it important from your perspective to invest into the into businesses that are created within those communities, regardless of what their specific challenges are. What does it do for those communities when the businesses are created and developed and grown from within the community? Well, I think I think the biggest thing is that it, it really helps to create a more equitable entrepreneurial ecosystem. Um, so it, it really you know, helps to create that space where all of the resources that people need in order to, um, you know, have economic success in order to create generational wealth opportunities are all kind of right there um, and they're accessible. Um, you know, so it really creates a, an opportunity for economic empowerment um, by helping entrepreneurs find that self-sufficiency. Um, it creates a space for relationship building um, by having those, you know, really inclusive support, support structures. Um, so it really, again, just just goes back to the, to the ecosystem building piece and making sure that you know everything that is needed um, in order to to create that um, ecosystem is right there, kind of contained in, in one central area where it's accessible to the people that need it um, the most. Yeah, it seems to me like it's, you know, if I could paint broad strokes, it, it seems like it's a it's a much more regenerative way to use money than an extractive way to use money. Um, yeah. And um, I, I'm also curious your thoughts, too, on and your perspective on what's been happening here more locally. You know, we're talking about San Antonio. We're talking about Jackson, Mississippi. But I also know that you said that you came back here to Western North Carolina as an entrepreneur and you saw a lot of barriers for these communities that we're talking about here locally. And we've also seen some pretty cool stuff, honestly, happening in the last few years. Um, we had on Bruce Waller here on the show to talk about his work with Black Wall Street and the community building mm -hmm. that they're doing. Um, I'm, I'm curious what you're, you know, what you're seeing that you're either excited by, um, and we can get into what you think the work that still needs to be done is, but I'm first curious, yeah. like, what are you most excited by right now? Um, well, so just kind of going back to the Mountain BizWorks side of things, you know, I oversee and, and manage uh, the, a fund there called the Catalyst Fund. Um, and that fund really focuses on disrupting those traditional lending practices that have, you know, prevented uh, marginalized communities from being able to access capital. So the Catalyst Fund, you know, we don't require any kind of collateral, personal collateral. 
Um, we don't require any kind of credit score minimums, but instead, you know, we'll offer folks um, a 0% interest personal loan in addition to a business loan that they can use to, you know, kind of repair their credit or um, to consolidate credit or to get rid of those, you know, high interest predatory loans they may have had to take out to start their business. Um, and then, you know, again, we just have that that full wraparound services that relates to providing um, subsidized access to all of our classes. Um, as well as grant opportunities for, for micro grants to, you know, folks in the startup space to get that first 10 capital if they don't have those rich relatives that can give them funding. Um, and then, you know, just having those social capital opportunities for people to get connected to the individuals that they need to, to understand, you know, what the opportunity is for their business. So, you know, I'm really excited about the, the work, you know, we've been able to do in the last three years since we launched the Catalyst program. Um, so providing over 70 entrepreneurs with over $3 million in, in capital. Um, and a lot of those folks likely would not have been able to get access to capital otherwise to either start or grow the businesses that they already had. Um, so, you know, kind of going forward, you know, our focus is, is helping, you know, those businesses now that they've gotten started, understand how to scale those businesses and how to really grow from having you know, one employee or being sole proprietors to actually, you know, breaking down those solopreneur um, silos to understanding what does it look like for you to, to go on now to hire your first employee and to really create jobs in the local economy. Um, so our focus, you know, now that we've got some additional grant funding that we, you know, we just received a, a huge opportunity from the federal government to, to support um, the Catalyst program as well as our scale-up program that really focus on those those scaling opportunities. Um, you know, we can really expand our reach across the region um, even further um, to to continue to to develop those those rural and socially and economically disadvantaged individuals. Um, to, to grow their businesses, um, to again just to really help build the rural community even even more. Yeah, man, I love it. I I, um, I love the work that you're doing. Both, I, I love that you have the perspective of an entrepreneur um, as well as someone who's working so closely in these um, in this world and in helping really change, uh, you know, our economy to be one that's more democratic, that's more inclusive, that's more regenerative, that's uh, really more for the people. And that's, that's really at the end of the day, I think what it's, what it's really about is about how does, how can our economy better help regular working people um, and regular working entrepreneurs? Uh, You know, like you said, those, those people that are out there running their own business, not the ones that are acquiring everyone else's business and, you know, monopolizing it for themselves, you know? I, uh, we're going to have to, to call it there. Uh, really, really glad to have you on here today. Thank you so much for, and thank you for being our inaugural video, <laughs> um, experiment yeah. here. I know we've had a few tech hiccups as we're figuring this all out, but, um, yeah, I appreciate good, you man. and appreciate your time. Um, and yeah, to everyone else listening that. out there, subscribe to us on all of the different platforms, uh, and make sure to tune in on bizradio.us to not just this show, but all of the other fantastic guests um, and programs that we have on there. Biz, uh, Biz Radio US is all entrepreneurs all the time. And until next time, um, make sure to take care of yourself and take care of someone else. Thank you for listening. If you liked what you just heard, be sure to subscribe to the podcast and be sure to visit bizradio.us to find hundreds of other engaging conversations, local events, and more.